Hey, everybody. Absolutely fantastic episode of The Morning Show today. We talk about Kevin Rose and Proof Collective ultimately canceling the Proof Conference. Pretty big news in the NFT space. We also talk about the action in the market related to Blur and the market making that whales are doing there, the impact it's having on different collections, including Moonbirds. The show is sponsored by the Pacemaker NFT collection, basically bringing streetwear artwork to the blockchain. Overall, it's a great show. Hope you enjoy it. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the NFT Morning Show. We do this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time each and every week where we discuss all things NFTs, crypto, technology, finance, entertainment, gaming, and everything in between. I'm your host, P.O., here with my co-host, Nifty Nick, the funniest man in the business. Big brain on that guy. We got Easy, the host of GMGM Market Talk, the host of Web3 Made Easy, the founder of Bodago, soon to be the number one NFT collection on the Solana blockchain. Gotta love it. We got Spencer Gordon Sand, the founder of Spencer Ventures. This guy is cleaning up with his institutional capital. Love to see it. Signal, the host of Artist Spotlight uh, and the host of the new segment, What You Need to Know with Signal. That's how we close out the show these days. Uh, love having Signal on the show. And of course, we have uh, Chris, we have Till, and we have Julian from today's sponsor, Pacemaker. I'm really, really excited to talk to you guys more about that. And last but not least, we have Bunny. Bunny, your bio just says, lick the toad. Dude, I'm so excited for tomorrow, P.O. You're excited to lick the toad tomorrow? I guess. <laughs> Do you know what licking the toad entails? Something with crypto, and I'm almost positive. No. It couldn't be with crypto. Dude. Dude, it could be. It's CC0, man. <laughs> Ooh, I actually like that theory. You see the key? Bottom of the key. Bottom of the key has a toad on it, man. Well, I mean, it looks like you've uh, you got a little bit of you got Nick's attention, Bunny. Nick, how are you doing this morning, Amigo? I'm doing all right. As you can see, I've removed basically all the leaves from my tree, uh, but I got a ton of feedback from. It's hard to call it a tree at this point in time. It's uh, there's like two leaves well, on it. Well, I'm I, I've stripped them all to give it a chance of survival, uh, and I've I've purchased a replacement one, and this is going to go into the ER, uh, aka another room that's not on. Uh, not on video. Other than that, doing pretty well, man. Um, started the morning with a call with uh, engineers, and then uh, Easy showed up at my door, interrupting the call that I was on, and uh, and he was showing up just kind of in a very disrespectful way. But what happened was I left the room, I came back, and we reset, and we're now on a good pitch. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, did you buy the new plant from the same place that you got that plant? Let's not discuss that, P.O., because there's a little bit of regret with the amount that it costs at that place. But at least when you receive it, it looks pretty, you know? It's going to have the same fate, though, because it's from the same place. They're destined to die, unfortunately, Nick. Uh, well, it, sometimes you got to do it for the looks, you know? And, <laughs> uh, and when it comes to plants, that's one way that I treat them, you know? Uh, I don't treat them with uh, love and respect. I just treat it. I j just say you need to look good, and if you don't look good and live up to my expectations, Mister, uh, you're gonna you're gonna have a suffer an awful fate. I, to be fair, I've tried to rescue some of the plants. This, these ones are better, but uh, anyways, I don't want to talk about uh, my lack of 
plant management skills. I got a DM from somebody who was giving me instructions on how to handle it and put it into the ER. So uh, I've put it into the ER. If I'm being honest, I should probably even uh, remove some of the remaining uh, leaves still. I, I may not have even been aggressive enough. It should be to the point where there's none. But anyways, uh, I've been getting tips and I'm pretty excited about that. So there we go. Well, there you go. A signal. How are you doing today? Yeah, all good, all good. Trying to trying to figure out how to have amazing audio while on the road. Uh, this, I, I think I, been, I got the I, solution, Sig. I, I got in touch with someone and I got the solution this morning. So you'll have a good solution in the future, I promise. Amazing. Uh, if, yeah, it feels uh, it, it's it's really weird when you're in a hotel room because you have to like find good light and then you're stuck with this little like uh, Apple device. So uh, I'm missing the gear. I'm missing like the big bulky gear, but it's all good. A uh, very good day today. Um, I mean, we're obviously going to talk about uh, the big news yesterday um, with the uh, conference being cancelled. But over the pond, all good. 28 days until spring. The corner is turning into summer. Fantastic, Sig. Uh, easy. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm on Nick's couch right now. It's uh, it's nice. It's nice. Comfortable, comfortable setup. We got the mic right there. It's nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm, it's a full studio from the couch. Like, I'm looking out a window. There's some fog. It's, uh, there's dead plants everywhere. I guess this is the ER. <laughs> Those aren't dead plants. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't have said that because we were on bad terms and good terms, and now I think we're on bad terms again. <laughs> How are you guys on bad terms? Like, <laughs> you knew he was going to have to come over. Um, it was rough when I walked in. You should have seen it. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, today's question of the day. If you had to listen to one song, for the rest of your life. Oh my God. Oh my God. Nick is going and he's attacking easy. This is scary. Oh my God. Oh, I did not expect that. That was a, a scary visual. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I know that, you know, this is primarily a, a radio show, but we do simulcast it to YouTube. And I just got an easy turn the camera and Nick was just full on approaching the camera. It was like a scene out of a, a horror movie right there. That was terrifying. I thought he was going to get me. But anyway, the, the question of the day is if you had to listen to one song for the rest of your life, what song would it be? This is a tough question, right? Because it's different than like if you had to watch one movie. If you have to listen to one song, you are going to hate that song after like the 2000th time that you've listened to it. Nick, are there any candidates in your mind for what song you'd like to listen to every day for the rest of your life? Uh, I'm going to go with some Zed song. <laughs> Okay, okay, a little EDM uh, selection. We got Shrimp, at Shrimp Gang Soul. He said, Don't Stop Believing." I'm assuming that's Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. Let me tell you, that would not be my favorite, but uh, to each their own, Shrimp, good stuff. Um, Spencer, what would you pick? Ooh, I don't know. I like The Joker and the Thief by Wolfmother. That's that's the top of my list. That's a classic. Signal said Bohemian Rhapsody. Tammy Ammer said Could You Be Loved by Bob Marley. I was thinking about either a Peter Tosh or a Bob Marley record. You know, reggae records are easy to listen to. Uh, Camila Noguera said Forever Young by Alphaville. Uh, Raph said it Has to Be November Rain by Guns N' Roses. Uh, Gone said Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Spyro said Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. Easy, what are you going with? Uh, probably The Diary by Wale. Wow. Song, it's uh, 500 Days of Summer is the music video for it. 
but probably probably that song. Bunny, your your thumbs down, and do you have problem? Like, a Dude, that's such a mid choice. <laughs> Pop you pick Bozo? It's a Pop Smoke Dior. Pop Smoke Dior. There's a that's a complex song. I, it would keep it interesting for a while, you know. <laughs> it gets me going, man. It gets you going. I'm gonna say uh, "Wanted" by Peter Tosh. How about that one? We'll go with a reggae record. Uh, we'll read a couple more responses here to that question. Then we'll get into the mix here. Uh, "Changes" by Black Sabbath. Brian Morris said that that's a really good one. Ozzy Osbourne classic. Uh, many covers made of that song. Really good stuff. Daramola, musician himself. So his, uh, you know, his take on this is definitely valuable as a lifelong musician, a professional musician, working musician. My heart will go on by Celine Dion. Look at that. Daramola's got a soft spot for Celine Dion. Uh, Spencer, I don't think we got a response from you, did we? No, you did. Oh, I did. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, it's Toasty said, I of the Tiger. He said, stay consistent, uh, constantly pumped. It's Toasty just thinks he's Rocky. You're not Sylvester Stallone, Toasty. You're not. Just kidding, Toasty. That's a good call. That's a good uh, pick right there. Last one. Be oh, actually, I don't know that song, so I don't even know if I'm being trolled there. Uh, Stefano Motta said something about us by Daft Punk. No surprise that a European went with a Daft Punk record. Gotta love it. Uh, Daft Punk is definitely really dope, though. Shout out to Stefano. Um, all right. Let's get into it. The weather report and the newsletter update. Signal is on weather today. Signal, please take it away. GM on Tuesday, the 21st of February. Volume across the market coming in at 89 million, with Blur taking the majority of the cake at 56 million, while OpenSea down at 16. Onto the leaders, all pretty stable there. We know the farming is working well. Um, they still have uh, apes at 78. Uh, Moonbirds down at 6.8, obviously. Uh, Pudgies and Clonex par on par at 5.5 ish. Over the past 24 hours, the biggest story, obviously, was the Moonbirds, uh, sorry, the proof cancellation of the conference. Kevin Rose announced that the reason for the cancellation was linked to considerably less interest than anticipated for an event like this. Moonbirds have held their price pretty well, but Proof Pass did touch down to the mid-14s, but managed to hold 15.6 ETH this morning. On to the art side of the market. I spoke about this yesterday, but Byte Gang, an on-chain collection from artist Pindub, of an Armin. That was an absolute hit for the minters and early secondary buyers. Uh, Van Armin, known for his AIR, paid $50,000 to put the entire collection on chain. The uh, ByteGang collection is 1,111 supply, was a 0.33 ETH mint. It hit 4 ETH at the outset, and the secondary sales for the rares went over 30 ETH. So an absolute cook for people who are on that list. Over to Airdrop Land, uh, Collab, Collab Land updated their details on their token claim that is happening now in two days. You've got verified community members, holders of the membership or the patron NFT and the top 100 Discord communities all eligible for the token claim happening on Thursday. So look out for that one. And then lastly, Jack Butcher, the Opepen edition had the highest one day volume across all collections after Butcher teased that the collection is going to be tied to a PFP project. Success around checks and Opepen have bled into merge. That has also hit a 0.12 ETH. When we spoke about that on the show, that was, I believe, sub 0.01, so an absolute cook there. And Opepin almost touching one ETH yesterday, uh, but settled at 0.85. 
onto crypto, things uh, pulled back quite a bit. Obviously, the alts pulled back the most, sort of between 7 and 15%. You've got Blur now holding on to $1, which is still great considering. So overall, market still being pumped by Blur farming, but lots of uh, events happening this week. So still lots of activity and good things happening across the market. Back to you, folks. Absolutely fantastic weather report. As usual, Sig, some other updates from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the daily newsletter published every single day. You should and you have to subscribe at thenifty.com. That's T-H-E-N-I-F-T-Y.com. Biggest news in the space over the past 24 hours is that Proof, Kevin Rose's Proof organization, announced their decision to cancel Proof of Conference after evaluating several weeks of sales data, having conversations with sponsors, Sponsors and receiving feedback from community members. Pretty big news. Pudgy Penguins revealed their partnership with Retail Monster, who will help distribute the upcoming Pudgy toy line globally. So you're seeing that IP being brought to life with physical toys by Pudgy Penguins. I'm sure Spencer has some thoughts on that. Rug Radio, our friend Farouk, announced Stubbs which will act as a mint pass for different artists' work that is designed to reward their daily listeners. I did see a little bit of a rollout there. Interesting stuff from Farouk and the gang at Rug Radio. Uh, And last but not least, there is a newly appointed CEO of YouTube, and he's gone on record saying that he believes that blockchain and NFT technology can greatly enhance viewership and provide more opportunities to reward content creators. Whoa! That's pretty wild to hear, given the theses uh, that, you know, the hosts of this show have about content and about NFTs. So before we get into the discussion, I want to remind everybody today's show is sponsored by Pacemaker. If you look at the first tweet that's pinned to the top, if you retweet that tweet uh, and follow at Pacemaker underscore NFT, then you will have a chance to win one of the two Pacemaker NFTs that we are giving away on today's show Very excited to, (coughs) excuse me, hear all about Pacemaker. You can think of it as an art blocks for street culture. You'll uh, basically have access to digital street culture artwork, and every artwork is actually linked to a claimable physical drop, which is really cool, especially when you learn a little bit about Till. I'm sure you sneakerheads already know about Till, and and you know anybody that's in Europe probably knows about the fashion platform About You. So a lot to learn about today's sponsor, Pacemaker. Going to be really good stuff. Retweet that tweet that's pinned to the top and follow at Pacemaker underscore NF for a chance to win one of the two NFTs that were given away. So look, we got to dive into this discussion. Nick, before we went into the weather report, I saw you grabbing the mic. I saw you uh, trying to sneak a word in. What's going on, Amigo? I mean, I'm just thinking of the rug, rugger among ruggers, the king of scammers, the champion thief among thieves, Kevin Rose came out with the uh, with the new uh, update here. I'm just kidding. That That's not what he is, but uh, definitely some disappointment in this uh, market from uh, Kevin Rose's decision here uh, to cancel proof of conference. Um, not able to drum up enough interest uh, for Moonbirds holders. AKA, here was where the where he's trying to went. sell the tickets to the people that yeah, have the yeah, twenty thousand dollar assets. Like that's where things went horribly wrong. So uh, there's been a there's been a couple of things demonstrating. Uh, how out of touch uh, they've been 
uh, for a, a while now. It started with him just changing the terms of service on people that thought they owned the IP of these Moonbirds, and that that was the play here. Uh, I'd say that was the first uh, crack in the proof armor, wouldn't you say so? That was the first uh, moment of fragility, uh, and maybe follow that up with the fanny pack being the reward for staking as as another moment where people were kind of like raising eyebrows. Would that be fair? Yeah. Um, and uh, additionally, uh, well, Ryan leaving was a, was a big moment for them, and then you also had. Uh, uh, there was another thing. The proof, um, it, it wasn't news to necessarily proof pass holders, but it was proof. Uh, it was news to a lot of people that weren't proof pass holders that the proof pass wouldn't uh, function. Is it through 2025 or up until 2025? I don't remember the exact date, but the bottom line is there's an expiry date on that particular pass. Um, I've noticed some YouTubers, I'm not going to name names here, but I went to a project the other day. This is a quick minor tangent here. I There was a YouTuber who had launched an NFT, a pass, a members-only Discord thing and some other stuff uh, a year or two ago. And basically what it said, the pass had suddenly switched to 2022 only, and now they're not supporting it at all, which was pretty incredible to see because I saw, and the, and the reason that I went to... Uh, I found that out was because I was checking out a product where uh, this gentleman happened to be an advisor to that uh, to that product, and they had him listed as an advisor. And I was like, "Is that a bullish thing? Like, I don't I don't know." Uh, and I'm like, "What is that guy up to, anyways, nowadays?" And so I went to his Twitter, checked it out, looked at his account, and it wasn't there. Um, but anyways, uh, Witter saying proof sold a total of seven tickets outside of their holders. That. I don't know where that information came from, but uh, <laughs> out of thin air, Nick. Uh, that, <laughs> no, it might that, be true. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. Regardless, so this situation. Uh, quick recap: Proof previously, uh, I'd say one of the blue chip projects. Oh, are you kidding me? Certainly, still, still technically, potentially within that realm. Uh, Moonbirds, you know, their floor is now down at six point six five. Which is pretty bad, and it's dropping rapidly. It's all going to Weath offers at this point in time, and I mean they're they're flying to Weath offers, but that could be bid farming stuff. So it's it's very difficult. <laughs> the last to, sale was Machi Big Brother four minutes ago. Weath offer, so uh, Spencer can weigh in on if that. He's still, <laughs> he's still accepting Weath offers. Are you serious? Like, has he not fixed this problem? Yeah, and and real quick, I want to hear from Spencer on this. Uh, Clemente has some additional context. Our producer, Clemente, uh, please uh, take it away, Clemente. Yeah, just to add, so it's not necessarily all bad. Uh, one of the things that they did claim was that uh, them not focusing and allocating so many resources towards proof of conference will, quote unquote, allow them to further allocate resources towards delivering quality products to the proof and Moonbirds community. And on March 2nd, uh, proof will share their next steps and priorities for the community going forward. And earlier this week, Moonbirds also announced that their DAO, the Lunar Society, will launch on February 28th and has millions in dollars in funding from the Proof Treasury, along with $500,000 worth of Moonbirds purchased from the open market and will be funded with 35% of secondary royalties from Moonbirds and Mythics. So, Clemente, one uh, quick thing that I just wanted to add for context here. When I think of resource-constrained companies... 
one of the companies that comes to mind immediately is Proof. They only have $70 million in cash on their hand. So it's pretty clear that their development team, product team, marketing team, and everybody else was really, it was all hands on deck situation to put together a conference when that historically from a company with $70 million would be typically fully outsourced to an events agency that would manage 95% of everything outside of maybe a design team that's helping with some of the branding assets that would be included as part of the conference. But yeah, I mean, I totally understand. It is you know, really bullish that they're able to uh, direct their efforts you know, um, towards their, their core uh, you know, product centric, um, initiatives as a result, because I do know that they were quite resource constrained, you know, it was a difficult thing. Um, so how much did they generate in secondary revenue on top of the, uh, so there was, sale? there was a thread by whale.swoosh who I mentioned on the show yesterday. That's been, uh, doing quite well in my opinion with his writing on Twitter. He wrote a pretty solid thread recently about a different subject. And I saw his thread on proof this morning. Uh, he pointed out that the first week of the Moonbirds drop, uh, they were generating 1 million plus per day for that week after the uh, launch of Moonbirds. Um, and how much was the primary sale? I believe it was 60 plus million. $60 million. Total secondary revenue generated throughout the life of proof is something like seven, another $70 million. Or so. I, may, I may be way off. Hold on. Let, let me actually get, yeah, get my- You, you can grab the numbers. Kix has his hand raised. Before I throw to Kix, Clemente, any other context to add before we go to Kix? Nothing from my end. Okay, Kix, what's going on, amigo? You're a Moonbirds holder. How do you feel right now? Yeah, man, I feel awesome, dude, because the nice thing is is I have what I call a double Dutch hedge. If it goes up, worth a lot of money. If it goes down, uh, I'll, I'll kind of have a shilling villain profile pick. It'll almost live in infamy. You know what I mean? I'll lose real value, but in terms of, like, I don't know, marketing brand value, I think it would go up. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, yeah, this <clears throat> this isn't great news. And I have a feeling a couple, like maybe two weeks ago, I heard like a rumor and it was like, don't buy proof uh, conference passes because it's like not looking good. So there, there was probably signs of this like a couple of weeks ago. I mean, from a purely business decision, if you've only sold seven tickets and maybe it's more than that, right? But like, obviously they only sold enough tickets that it was a, they had to cancel it, right? I mean, yeah, that's bearish in the sense that, you know, people don't want to go to a proof conference, but like. I don't know how many people in NFTs are like really trying to show up to like proof conference in a bear market. So at least they canceled it without it being just an absolute disaster in money sink. So I mean, Yannick, why not make the whole thing free? I don't understand. So twenty-seven million dollars was the royalties in the past year. I was way off, but twenty-seven million on top of on top of sixty million in primary. You're almost at you're at eighty seven million dollars, and that's the year to date on this chart. I don't know where where the year started with what they were tracking. I, it's definitely not this year. Um, it could be trailing twelve months or something like that. But let's say they have eighty seven million dollars. They paid taxes and they had uh, a measly you know fifty million dollars left over. They hired a product team. They, they also raised market. money from A sixteen Z. Yeah, and wasn't it a significant amount? I like, think it was. Yeah, I think their biggest flaw was the fact that they charged so much for the ticket, though. Like the ticket was literally like 0.75 for holders and like one and a half ETH for non-holders. If, if that's would, crazy, if you'd put two million dollars into an event 
that's an insane event. Like I want to be very clear about like how much that is. And that would have been like 2% of the revenue. They, there could have been like a thousand people at the event or 500 people at the event or even a, a few hundred people at the event. You could have uh, like rented a, a, a pop star. Uh, like the weekend. Sing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to come sing at your uh, show for the hundred guests that decided to come to it. Let me tell you, everyone's going to go to the, Mo- the Moonbirds event the following year I, or, or the proof event. So they raised another 50 million. So you have 50 million. They have over a hundred million dollars is what they had basically. And, yeah. and so, I mean, you could have a trillion dollars, but like if you're spending it in a bad way, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. Could you have just done it for free for everybody? I mean, but sure. Even the secondary volume. Like I just looked at VCon tickets. They raised almost $400,000 in royalties on secondary volume just on the tickets. That's pretty crazy. Like that alone is like another way that like maybe you airdrop at the holders. Those that can't attend, sell it. Now you get a portion of that. I just think there was other ways for them to navigate this to make it more profitable, which like they could have taken a page out of Vcon's book. And I thought Vcon was actually a good conference. Yeah, I think Vcon uh, was a good conference, but I'm overall bearish. Um, uh, bearish, like big, uh, like NFTs just... Project spending a stupid amount of money on these big events. I honestly think that uh, this proof thing, you'll see more of it this year. I mean, how many people have already pulled out of it or have said they're not doing anything at NFT NYC? At a certain point, just throwing like multi-million dollar events every year is kind of unsustainable. And if only like 20% of your holders can show up, is that like a really good way to deliver value for everybody? I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure on that. But yeah, just like a closing thought. I think that it shows that proof and moonbirds, you know, like it's not a like a bullish sign by any means. And I think now basically that big news event that they're holding in early March, that's like the make it or break it. Like that the Yeah. I'm not sure NYC is a good comparison though, because I feel like projects are only pulling out of that because of the scheduling issue. Um, I, I, I would bet a thousand dollars that you're going to see a way less events this year because mathematically in a bear market, YOLOing $3 million. So, uh, 20% of your audience can come and get hammered and talk to each other is like probably not the best use of money. I actually, I completely disagree. $2 million by proof to throw towards it when you have a hundred million dollars to me seems like not a, not YOLOing. It's, it's not like a ridiculous thing. And half of what they were trying to develop and been trying to develop is a media presence. And and to me, there's there's two ways you do that. One is like creating content of which they have uh, the the foundation of a team, and then they have another uh, they have another um, uh, it, they also have in person events as the other opportunity to do that. It doesn't need to be two million. It could even be one million. You could throw a damn house party for, for all I care. Rent out a mansion. In LA, like in Malibu, overlooking a cliff. Yeah, like, dude, but like, like uh, I'm not trying to go to a house party, dude, because I own an NFT. Okay, you, I understand. No, I understand you aren't, but I'm just saying that a lot I, of people I would. will go to, I oh, will no, fall man. on the you sword. You had a house party in New York. It was great. Probably one of the best parties I went to. And, it was awesome. And uh, just hands down, it, here's what they could have done they can literally like buy a house, like uh, uh, turn it into an Airbnb and then sell it a year later. And in the interim, they just host parties at this like baller house, whatever. Yeah, that's a good idea. You're not going to deploy. <laughs> you're not going to deploy a hundred million dollars in uh, in one year. That would be uh, that would just be irresponsible. Yeah, and so, and Nick, real quick, just to add, we spent four thousand euros 
on, or it might have been less, 3,000 or 4,000 euros on our London, uh, or not euros, pounds, on our fucking, the UK people are going to roast me now because I'm always messing up. I said global British pounds last year. Anyway, uh, pounds on our London event and people came, oh, like 200 people came and everybody said that it was the, their favorite event that they went to at NFT London. And the reason is, is all people want to do is get together in one spot, one spot talk to each other and, you know, have some drinks. So if you just do open bar and it's not so loud that you have to scream at each other, that's like another mistake is people will get like the loud DJ. So the thing's so loud, you have to scream at each other. That doesn't work. So signalizer hand raise. I want to hear from Sig. I do want to hear from Spencer on the proof situation as well. Sig, what are you thinking about? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was actually really disappointed that they, that they canceled this. But I also think at the same time, what Kix was saying that having these like multi-year uh, conferences that cost millions of dollars is just not sustainable when you're trying to build products during, uh, through a bear market. But I also think they swung for the fences. Like this conference was meant, it was, um, you know, it was going to be free food, free drinks, people, uh, whoever the artist was signed to um, make the performance the night before. There were like some huge costs here, which I don't think was particularly necessary. I've been to the um, events in London before. And then obviously you had the New York party as well. And both of those events were much smaller, but they were still incredible. They were really good. Like there was just the vibe across the community that even though this wasn't massive, everybody was still really happy and came away just like, yeah, that was a really good night. And also you don't need to throw a massive event. You can have an event with 200 people, as long as 200 people come away happy, you have an echo chamber that they come away and are in Discord and Twitter saying this was an amazing event. And then it causes like a sound wave across the community that uh, proof is capable of putting on a good conference. I just think they swung for the fences way too hard here and tried to, de to try to deliver too much in their first conference. But they could have pulled it off if they had done it smaller and scaled back on the costs. Yeah, I suppose. Um, you know, I, I guess that they were trying to do it big. I don't know. It, it just it wasn't executed the way that I expected it to be. Uh, Spencer, any any thoughts to chime in here? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that Kicks brought up is really important is like the announcement, the, the way they phrased the announcement was they're scaling back the or canceling the conference to focus on other things. I think the big question from the community is like, what are those other things? Right. We have two sort of big things that were planned in the roadmap, the last announcement, which is the, the token and Mythics, both of which are supposed to happen in Q1. Q1's almost over, and we haven't heard much about those two things. So, uh, you know, I think for me, like, this was a, this was challenging in a couple of reasons. One is, I really, if they were going to cancel the conference, and like, look, there have been leaks that this might have happened, like, people were speculating on this. It's not the end of the world. I think it makes sense probably from a business perspective, but like, the, the thing that was demonstrated here was like, they really needed to make this announcement with something positive alongside it, right? Like, if you're going to have so, like, like they fumbled so many things. Like, this is clearly a fumble, right? There's no way this gets perceived well by the community, even if it's the right business decision. And so in that context, they had to understand here that like, just saying, we'll focus on other things. Okay, but tell us what those other things are, right? That was to me the biggest failure of this announcement was it wasn't like, okay, we are specifically putting our efforts towards this, this, this. There's like 30 people that work at Proof. And the big question to me is like, what, what are they doing, right? Like we've seen almost nothing. If they're not all event planning, then what are they doing? What are they doing, right? And so this is this is where I think you know it's actually impressive to me um, that we haven't seen a harder sell-off in Moonbirds 
I actually think this is kind of part of the blur environment where we're just seeing decreased volatility from the aggressive bid farming, right? Like you saw yesterday, Machi Big Brother ended up with like six, well, it was like, uh, like 0.6% of the entire collection. So like 62 Moonbirds ended up in his wallet yesterday because he just had a big bid, didn't cancel out what people were dumping. He sold almost all of those to other bid farmers. I expect, and this was something that I think is interesting to watch of like what's been playing out of cross collections right now has been like, a lot of the people bid farming right now weren't bid farming very actively before and don't kind of know the game. And the biggest part, for those of you who are interested in blur bid farming, the biggest thing you need to watch is large sell-offs. When does 100 units of supply get given to offers? And it happens a lot because this is the moment whales take liquidity. This is the moment a lot of people are selling off a lot of proof assets, right? That tends to trickle down from bid farmer to bid farmer to bid farmer to bid farmer. And it's not clear to me where, where that stops. Now, they have you know this upcoming announcement I, I just, I don't know. Like, I think it would be a really good environment for them to launch the token, given how well Blur has just done. But also, I, I have concerns that the regulatory environment for launching a token is not very good right now. And Proof, if anything, has been very conservative about a lot of the stuff they've been up to. You know, it's it's hard to underprice. Like, the COO of Moonbirds, his last job was as, like, a, a lawyer. <laughs> and so the the legal side of what they do, I'm I'm a little uncertain if the, if the token's coming. Apparently, so people are tweeting it. Witter said it that apparently they uh, Kevin casually mentioned that they've sunset high rise. Also, were you that, aware of that, Spencer? But like, I'm, what was high rise? <laughs> uh, well, we <laughs> were joking. La- we were joking last night right, that yeah. it's, uh, it's in a, a condo uh, that he got <laughs> in uh, Miami. Sunset high rise. Like this is the thing. Is like. Hi, like we never got to the point where we knew what high rise was, so it feels less emotional that it's not happening. No, no, Spencer, this is fucking unacceptable. We were promised high rise. I was told I was going to get an apartment. I don't even have the NFT. What the hell, wait, Kevin? No, wait, what? It, also, so what is proof now? This is this it, is the thing. Exactly. This is what it's, it's a Discord that Kevin doesn't go to. It's it's a, a conference that doesn't even launch. It's IP rights that don't even exist anymore. It's uh, it's uh, a software product that was months in the making that has been just shut down. Well, so what? What's the remaining? Uh, that now it's a DAO. Now, so they're yeah. like, putting capital into the DAO, DAO for content. You both are speaking at the DAO same too. time. I can't. <laughs> the critique of the DAO is that they're, they've committed, I think, two million dollars to the DAO, which would be cool if they didn't have a hundred million dollars. <laughs> You know, this is like pennies to them, right? It's it, it like the, the DAO feels undercapitalized given the resources of proof. But I think the DAO will be a very interesting um, pivotal point. I know I have some spicy DAO proposals I'm planning to propose, but I think that like it'll be interesting to see because this is the first time like one of the big critiques of proof has always been that they don't really pay attention to their community. And so the question is, like, how much will the DAO force them to do so? And, and easy. What are your thoughts about like what's uh, transpired here? And then I want to go to Kix, who has his hand raised, and also get some context from Clemente. I mean, there was a conversation last night that Kevin Rose had with Frank in, I forget whose Twitter space it was, but he basically said the same thing. Like, they're going to be putting money into a DAO to fund content creators that are already on payroll to keep that still going, it seems. But other than that, there wasn't like a lot of transparency on like what the end goal was. Like, I, I couldn't tell you what proof was. Well, they're going to do an announcement, so I guess there is some sort of plan there. Kicks, you have your hand raised. Anything to weigh in with here? Yeah, first thing of a DAO, shouldn't like the DAO decide what they're doing? Second of all, I'd really love to know the team makeup because these people must be just the most 
Swiss Army knife employees of all time where like, you know, you have them working on high rise, just, you know, programming. And you're like, hey, need you over uh, calling some event planning stuff for proof conference. We actually just canceled that. So I'm going to need you to do the art for the mythics now. Is that cool? These this this team is just like water. You know what I mean? It can just absorb anything. I just can't imagine what they're going to build next. <laughs> I, I don't want <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, we're not keep crapping, crapping on proof. Like, look, here's the reality. We were discussing this morning that there is a uh, easy, and I. I was saying, how many companies are actively building in this space? And like, we we need to do more to like actually highlight those companies that are. Yeah, you just absolutely shit but, on them for about fifteen minutes. No, <laughs> no, he and, didn't. And, <laughs> okay. No, he didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to look. Here's the reality. I, I make. Uh, I make one joke. You're like, whoa, buddy. You crossed the line. You crossed the line. That was just uncalled for. You made fun of their team having to pivot on a bunch of products. That's just not cool, dude. We need to be supporting people that are active in building in this space. Okay. Kicks, I wasn't. Get that, I, wasn't get off I wasn't talking about your commentary. I was thinking about my own. Simply put, was that I'm like. We, we need some projects to succeed here, people. Like Pudgy Penguins announced their, uh, made that announcement last night, and then the floor pulled back. I can't trust any floor, though, at this point in time with blur farming. Like it, everything's just volatile. So I don't think any number makes any sense whatsoever. Like look, go to any top project, and it's literally all Weath offers. And I feel like uh, actually NFT statistics would be a good person to like give this analysis, but also kicks. I think you have a link to. Uh, the Weath percentage offer, um, uh, like off of a Dune Analytics somewhere. Do uh, do you have that handy? And if so, like I I, I would imagine right now the percent Weath Weath offer has just gone like off the charts. Basically, like we got to be operating at like ninety plus percent because if you go to literally any project at this point in time that's amongst one of the the top, uh, like in the top ten projects. They're all Weath offers at this point, and I think that's uh, that's just a result of Blur bid farming. So I, I I don't know. It's it's difficult for me to get an assessment of what's going on. The bottom line is, uh, proof. Despite all of this, they need to get their act together because they're one of the biggest uh, in this space. And I hope I actually hope that whatever they announce is something that's dope. Oh yeah, because the, the, because the most important thing is like we need people in this space. And I feel like it's slowly becoming like the, this bush behind me. I, I got to get it off the screen is what's going to happen. But basically, this is representative of the market. I didn't realize that that was going to be the case. There's, a, there's, there's two branches left, okay? But we're, we're all literally, uh, we're, we're all trying to figure it out right now. Um, so well, anyways. I, Nick, I think that this is an interesting thing too. Like, this is actually representative of market sentiment in, the, in, in price as well. So like if you saw the market cap of Blur token is higher than the sum of like of like Yuga assets plus like Moonbirds plus like it, it's crazy how big the Blur coin market cap is. And I think part of that, obviously part of that is it's recent and there's hype. But also part of that is that like I think that people are looking to allocate capital to the NFT space right now. A lot of them are looking for index exposure to future tools that will be used by future projects because there's just very low confidence in existing products ability to execute. And so if you see capital flowing in the space, the question is, does it go towards something where they see sort of pseudo index exposure, where like Lord token, which is going to move as volume of the overall space, you're like, doesn't matter if every product today goes to zero and new products emerge, 
that's sort of like the bet that Blur Token is. I think a lot of people are looking at it as versus owning projects. And I think I think you're absolutely right in saying there's a couple of like the, sort of the a lot of the largest players, people going into the bear market, you would expected to have the resources um, to sustain in the bear market to to sort of enter. Like we saw this in in 2016, right, with with Sandbox, or where Sandbox raised tons and tons of money, everyone wrote it off in the bear market, and then bull market, it just was so much better capitalized, had a better, you know, corporate structure. They like totally took off in in, in the 2020 bull market for kind of no reason other than like they were just way further ahead in the company lifecycle than everybody else. And so I think a lot of people are making that bet on NFT projects. I'm making that bet on a few NFT projects right now, but like. I think this is one of those times where where we just kind of need to see a lot of the incumbent players step up their game. But it's also an opportunity too, right? Where like that, you talk about the pudgy rise. Why did that happen? That happened because, you know, ex- the barrier, the bar to execute, to be a top executing project in this market is just not that high. And I think the more people are waking up and realizing that, like we're seeing uh, more builders be active. It's just not the people who you may have thought they were. Yeah, I think that's great analysis. Uh, I want to go to Signal, then Clemente, uh, and then we'll switch switch gears here. Signal, you have your hand raised. Yeah, no, on that space that Easy was talking about, it, it, I mean, when Kevin, because Kev, the, the space started and then it was basically about the conference being cancelled and then like halfway through, Kevin just sort of appeared um, and went up on stage and was to- and talking to the co-host, but he takes full accountability that he has done a better job with proof that he has with Moonbirds, that there's much more um, work to be done on the Moonbird side. Um, and also another thing that he shared was that they had like eight months of wireframe. So they're doing all this work, but they're not showing it. They're not actually, you know, sharing it on Twitter or sharing it on Discord. So a lot of it is getting scrapped. So the work has been done, but because they don't show it, then nobody knows about it. One of the things uh, that Frank was advising him to do is to sort of like make sure that there is a constant content cycle uh, around what is happening within that community. So then people are digesting the latest information rather than sort of um, talking about the the last bad thing that happened. Um, And one of the points that he did bring up, which I did agree with him on, was like, he, you know, he is a collector and he does trade from time to time. But I think what he struggles with is that in the NFT space, there is what he calls a sort of toxic, um, a toxic trading mentality, whereby everything is when airdrop, when price go up. And I think the way he was describing it is that they're trying to do something innovative, something that in the space other projects can look to, uh, look to and perhaps copy in the future and innovate on top of that. But that doesn't mean what you're building means price go up. And that's obviously a conflict within this space. And he ended with uh, he wants to have sort of less hype and more check your wallets, i.e. the work has been done. The work is shit. And then you're not sort of trying to uh, you're not trying to live on announcement to announcement, but you're actually living on what has shipped day to day, week to week. So those are some of the takeaways from that space. When you hear when you hear him speak, he's extremely compelling. Uh, and I empathize with, with what he's trying to build versus the culture of the space sometimes. Well, the problem is you can't change the culture of the space. What we're seeing is a lot of people, look, what's been uh, demonstrated, we're really excited for the stuff that, that we've been working on. But like, if we showed what we were working on, then that would ultimately get like ruin anticipation around things. And ultimately, the name of the game, Yuga, has demonstrated what is necessary to succeed in this space. And basically very few people are able to do it because it requires an immense amount of work and it's a different way of thinking about things. 
What works really well in this space is essentially, like you were saying, that cadence of announcements of, uh, and, and it's not even announcements, it's not announcements of execution. The only thing that has worked in this space is a buildup to release of NFTs. That's it. And in the case of proof, uh, they dropped all of them back to back to back right out the gate. And it was surprising to see actually the degree to which their floor sustained because every other project that followed that playbook with this rapid drop of NFTs uh, uh, essentially has watched their floor suffer as a result of that. That's the price action that's associated with it. In terms of sustainable businesses, that's that's a whole other uh, question to be made at this point in time is where does the sustainability come out of this ecosystem? If royalties are dead, uh, then that's that's an issue, especially given that Moonbirds had a $20 million revenue channel that just got shot and was basically their largest revenue channel outside of primary sales. Uh, that was their biggest uh, source of income. Wait, like where where do you find sustainability in this space? And even Board Ape Yacht Club inevitably is going to have to face that at some point in time. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. I, I, I sympathize with um, what Moonbirds is going through and we need more people that can actually, uh, you know, test out varying models within the space to try and get to a place of sustainability because right now it's just not there. It's just hands down not there. And you can fault people. We're going to discuss one, another project later in the show, but there's projects that have shut down and you can fault them for like uh, poor financial management, which I think is a valid thing to Very do. Very valid. But that, but, but that sort of shit happens all the time in venture back uh, uh, spaces. Yep. Dude, like founders that that take fundraising and go buy a Ferrari or something like that oh. is like, is it, 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 it's, you can get sued for that. You can like get it, Like there's, there's a line of criminal behavior within some of those different things. But w what I'm saying is like, uh, uh, giving money to a bunch of entrepreneurs that have never run a business before. Inevitably you're going to see a bunch of failure. And in the web three space, we're just seeing it happen publicly essentially. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's hard to see. My friend had a job at a startup in New York that was uh, venture funded and they threw like this lavish, ho lavish holiday party and the CEO was doing cocaine with the other executives like at the party. So you got to love those venture funded businesses that aren't turning profits yet. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to switch things Wait, up oh, here. That, that was quite a synopsis. All venture funded businesses. That was the most casual slip in there. It's just like, <laughs> no, yeah, no, they were like just going crazy. Oh. All venture funded businesses basically have CEOs that are doing cocaine with their employees, according to PL. Let's move on to the next subject. Hey, you didn't hear it from me, but maybe you did. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, shout out to today. <laughs> shout out to today's sponsor who won't be doing cocaine with their employees. Okay. <laughs> just, just kidding, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, if you retweet the first tweet that's pinned to the top and you follow at pacemaker underscore NFT, you will be entered for a chance to win. In one of two NFTs that we're giving away today, the Pacemaker NFT collection. You can basically think of it similarly to Art Blocks, but for street culture. And as a holder, you'll have access to digital street culture artwork from potential big names. Uh, and every artwork's actually linked to a claimable physical drop. Um, and if you look up, you know, the fashion platform About You, I'm sure a lot of you folks in Europe are familiar with it. If you're not familiar, definitely check out About You. It's a publicly traded company. Um, they're, you know, the traffic, the attention that they get 
bet. Huge, huge numbers. We're going to talk about it. And then definitely, uh, you know, check out Till and his background. And that'll really give you guys some color going into, uh, you know, the the discussion that we're going to have a little bit later in the show. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, switching gears from proof. Um, Nick, I'll let you I'll let you run this. Uh, go ahead, please. Take it away. Switching from proof goes poof. We're moving on to uh, fr- it looks like we're discussing the friends with you uh, situation, which many people are calling a rug. Uh, they decided that they could no longer run their project after uh, generating five million dollars in revenue in a Dutch auction in March 2022. Less than a year ago, uh, they decided to get put a pause given recent market conditions and will be waiting for the right time and opportunities to see the full vision uh, become reality. The collection also recorded 3.8 thousand in secondary volume, uh, giving them an additional 280 ETH in royalties. And after topping out at 0.4 ETH, the collection now sits at 0.02. People are calling this a hard rug, is what a lot of people on Twitter are calling it. And I'm going to be honest, I'd probably feel uh, sort of like a little a little emotional about this situation if I was a holder of it because they had $5 million. If you have $5 million and you just started your company, um, I, I will say you have taxes to be paid, but if you're handling, you're managing your taxes properly and you're hiring properly, you should be able to make it through a couple of years. Uh, two years minimum with $5 million to me sounds like a reasonable uh, uh, level That's, a, that's the exact number I thought, Nick. I was like, that should have... You know, you can hire a decent team for two years. Yeah, and, and that and that's like a really good team. You're paying like legit salaries. Like I, I don't know. That's the thing that it's a little weird. Um, there's uh, people tweeting about it, tagging me right now as well, uh, and PO and talking about NFT ethics thread on this. Uh, uh, NFT ethics, I thought like disappeared. Like I that that person has just who, been like looking for trouble for a long time. Basically. Who, who runs but, that account? Who who is this? Uh, I want to. I'm about to research the ethics of NFT ethics. I say we do a live uh, expose on video with NFT ethics. Look, I know that this is another negative story, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I should, we should talk about the fact that it isn't all negative at the, at the moment, you know? Yeah. The other story that was brought up was the meme land story that they, uh, that they bought PFP.eth for 40 ETH, which is, uh, what that's $60,000 or something like that. $70,000 for an entity like that. I feel like that's a solid move. I mean, well, the ENS boy army is, is probably going to be like, you know, that was the cheapest thing anybody's ever done. Yeah, and uh, Meme Land, their their floor is absolutely killing it with captains right now at three point six four, and it looks promising. Their their rollout has been, I will say, very unique. Like their approach oh, yeah. to this, they 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 stand as a as they stand alone as a brand, and I think that that's um, that, they got that some cool stuff. They just yeah. uh, announced treasure maps, which is going to play into their meme token. So it's kind of like a gamified way to get like loot boxes that are associated to the NFT. I think it's like one of the more interesting rollouts for that because it almost incentivizes you to get the PFP, which is the captains, to then play into this larger ecosystem that they're like gamifying. Um, and it's it just seems like they've been very good about keeping their head down and kind of like ignoring the noise and keep trying to execute. So like I'm excited for it. Like the nine gag CEO clearly has a plan. Um. I would agree. Yeah, they, uh, we had them on this show. You can check out their interview in the past, well, on the YouTube show. Um, we need to get. We should get them on uh, on this. Uh, we should get them on, on this the, on the Twitter space. 
um, and reach out to him. Uh, but in the interim, yeah, they've been executing incredibly well, and they're a demonstration of basically a product that's uh, operating well in this space. The one thing I wonder about is with this token dynamics. A token really does uh, can contribute to an ecosystem, especially when there's gaming involved. Mm -hmm. But in the U.S., if you're U.S. based, it, it just feels like such a, a, a regulatory risk when you're associated with it. And instead, what a lot of people do is they go create offshore companies to manage the token we saw that happen with um we saw that happen with yuga i was looking through the terms it it feels like uh that gabe and team um with digidaigaku have also set up a similar corporate structure for some of these things i don't know that they're dropping a token but if they do they they have a cayman entity set up for it uh spencer looks like you want to spoken about not doing a token like for these reasons okay yeah i mean the the u.s based and and uh what one other thing that I'll add there is the, uh, and I'm blanking on the gallery that's in New York and all the other places, the NFT gallery, um, but that's uh, also a DAO. Pia, you know, you know the name of it? The gallery we went to that's in uh, down in Soho that's an NFT oh, that, gallery. That with the garden outside? Uh, no, that, no, I'm talking about like they have a token. They did uh, Venice uh, crypto. Uh, Venice Venetians, crypto Venetians, and crypto New Yorkers, and everything else. Anyway, no. Uh, bright moments. We, bright bright moments. moments. Thank, thank the Lord. So, uh, uh, in terms of bright moments, the founders of Flamingo Dow went in there one day and they were talking, and they're structuring a lot of the tokenomics of bright moments. Bright moments had Dow ERC20 tokens, was the way that it was managed. And a lot of DAOs operate on this basis. They said they were shifting to an NFT-based token approach for this. And frankly, I feel like that's the way that a lot of these things should exist. It's just make them NFTs. It doesn't make sense that you have this separate fungible ERC-20 token. It, it just but creates Nick, a lot of life. By making it an NFT token, you're just good? Well, no, there's more to it than that. But if you have an ERC-721 token where each one is unique... It, it, there, there's at least degrees of uh, risk. So being by taken slapping on. a JPEG on it, you just fundamentally change the what it is. No, kicks. No. You have a gaming entity. A token for your entity makes sense. We're not coming at gaming entities right now. No, no, no. That, I'm literally just saying, like, fundamentally, because Nick like brought up a good question. He's like, why don't you just drop it as an ERC seven twenty one? Then I'm like, does that? But does that fundamentally change like the mechanics of what it's trying to achieve? Then, like, right, like. Is it really that different? Well, you, you're spot on, I think, in the sense that, like, if if it doesn't change the mechanics, does it really make a difference from a legality standpoint? If it's a security, it's a security sort of thing, and, and there's no way to uh, avoid that. I don't know. These are questions for a lawyer. We should have uh, a lawyer, and I'm going to, as a result, I'm going to get 15 DMs from lawyers. <laughs> yeah, the uh, lawyers are like, I'll me. talk about it. Like, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but... The reality is um, I, I, it is interesting that they have a token and they're based offshore. So like, I don't think they have that liability, which frankly gives them a competitive advantage over American based companies, wh which have these restrictions on them. And that's the thing that I think about with this is like, if we were not based in the US, we'd have a lot more flexibility to what we could do. I don't know that that would change our execution. But uh, that, that is my last comment on this. Should we dive into uh, 
we got Signal coming up here with what you need to know for yeah, today. Yeah, ju just real quick, I want to hear from, like, uh, Clemente has additional context. He has his hand raised. And then uh, Bunny, uh, real quick, and then we'll go to Signal okay. for what you need to know. Uh, Clemente, any additional contacts? Just a quick question for, for Easy here, not to put him on the spot. Um, but I'm looking at Potato's floor, and it's currently at 1.5 ETH, and uh, the beans are at 1.7, and both kind of have potential catalysts coming up. So, Easy, I'm curious if you had to pick one, which one you'd uh, you'd rather buy at around this price of 1.5 to 1.7 ETH? Uh, beans. <clears throat> yeah, I'd probably go with Zuki Beans, just because like the branding that they've been doing with Jay and Jelly, I think, is a little bit stronger. They're hyper focused on this content initiative of them like actually rolling out IP, and I think they're doing a very good job with it. You also have a lot of people on social media pushing this gold bean narrative at the moment, which I think helps the actual value add of it. The thing with potatoes that I find a little bit more difficult is, even though I'm definitely bullish on meme land, I think the focus is around the captains more than the potatoes at the moment. So I think like if I was to get exposure, I'd be targeting captains on meme land, but for that same price, you can get two beans. So like, I think the Azuki brand, there's a much wider gap between Azuki and then Beans that I think inevitably gets a little bit smaller or closer. And I'm not saying like Beans go to 10, but Beans pushing up towards three doesn't seem very unrealistic to me. Spencer, what do you think about this real quick? You know, I'm going to be honest. I'm not the most informed about Meme Land specifically. I think I like Azuki is an interesting project because you, there's two ways to look at it right now is that you can look at Azuki... Versus, say, Moonbird, like with Moonbirds kind of falling down substantially, Azuki really, the gap between Azuki and the next highest uh, floored project is, is pretty large, right? Um, outside of the Yuga ecosystem, of course. And so you could say, okay, that is good for Azuki because it means they're kind of outperforming everyone else. Or you can say that, you know, Azuki is already kind of in that spot. Where does it go from here? And so, you know, it, it's not clear to me where, where that is. I think when I look at something like the price action on meme lands, it just seems like there is more room for them to run without the market growing in general. But I kind of agree with easy that I think that like, if you're just looking at who's executed the best and like, you know, and not just executed, cause there's really not been much done, but like not made unforced errors the most, it, it's gotta just be Azuki, right? Like it, it doesn't seem close to me. Fair. I mean, I love hearing your take. I'm surprised. And real quick, uh, as someone that runs a fund, how come you haven't done deep dive research on meme land? You know, there's just a lot of different stuff going on in the ecosystem. It's one of the things that I'm, I'm definitely going to take a look at. Um, but yeah, kind of picking picking just where to focus attention. Like, I think this is a big thing for all traders in the space. Is like, there's a lot going on. And I think it's often much better to be really knowledgeable about a small number of projects than like lightly knowledgeable about a large number of projects. And so that's just not one that I've gotten to as a priority yet based on where the fund's at. Fair. The reason I ask is just because it does seem very, very legit. And obviously, you know, we spoke with the 9Gag CEO, so maybe I have a bias from having that conversation with him. Uh, before we go to Signal for what you need to know and then to our sponsors, Pacemaker, Bunny, you have your hand raised. What's going on, amigo? Vincent Van Doe spent 96.90 on the number one frenzies. Back in the day. Yeah. No, yeah, he didn't do it today. That'd be Nick, ridiculous. Wow. Nick, if you remember when I was like, Vince Van Doe's trying to make up all that money with the mint, and now he realized, wait a minute. You mean I can just sell open edition NFTs over and over again and print money? Anyway, it's kind of funny. I feel like the open edition sort of movement is like it is is on its last legs. If it, if anything, uh, it, it doesn't feel How like it. Say because you have Kevin Abash who just sent his open edition from 0.07 to 0.33. You now have Opepins 
running from 0.19 to 0.8. Merge going up from 0.05 to 0.12. It basically seems like anyone who's actually stuck with the open edition and continued to deliver on like the burn mechanic or do something that's fun, like Kevin Abash has done really small windows. Like he opens one window for the eastern half of the world and one window for the western half of the world and has like a small burn window for each of those. And then it's a different burn mechanic. So it's just something like a new take on it. Like I think people still like this idea of like, oh, I have a choice to get another NFT or a new piece of art. And they kind of have some fun feeling like they're in control of what they get. But I think like the the, the days of people just saying, I'm going to launch an open edition for 24 hours. I'm going to tease that there might be a burn, not actually deliver on the burn, but just say that it could be in the cards. That's gone. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, regardless, well, I, I don't. The, the some of the numbers that you're describing, though, to to provide some context, though, is going from 0.07 to 0.12 or 0.07 to point, you know, uh, 0.3. We're like scraping, you know, for 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 gains here. Versus, like, if you think back to like Board Ape Yacht Club, Cool Cats, anything like that, where you're going from 0.15 to one ETH, back to 0.5, to two ETH, to, to one ETH. But to like, during a bull market, during yeah, a macro yeah. bull market, just bull everywhere. The, when, when you're talking about those minor movements, though, from 0.07 to 0.12, uh, you, and, and uh, doing those on, uh, on some of these collections, you got to be pretty active in paying attention to the price action in order to like, actually profit in that market. Um, so that that's the one thing that stands out to me. Absolutely. And if you don't sell, you're going to get punished. So you are right to bring that up, Nick, uh, for sure. It's not like, yeah, I'm just going to buy this and hold it for the long term. It's like, oh, <laughs> good luck with that, amigo. Anyway, over to Signal uh, for what you need to know. Signal, what do we need to know? I don't know. What do you need to know? Uh, <laughs> no, what you need to know is that it's airdrop season. So uh, obviously, we've had Blur, we've had Magically, but there's a bit of a timer on this one, and it's for the Lens Protocol airdrop. So no official date has come out, but essentially what you'll need is a Lens handle, which you can buy on OpenSea. It's on Polygon. Uh, these have already uh, gone up quite a bit because people believe that the airdrop deadline is coming up very soon. There are some quests that you need to complete. So there's like six quests, and then you'll be able to claim your rewards. Now, there's a really good account called Olympio. I'll drop it um, in the... Uh, comment section uh, and he explains and he holds your hand as to how to go and claim this drop one of the pieces of feedback that obviously everyone is saying at the moment you know even hearing it from spencer is that there's so many people farming for blur season two you know comparatively speaking how good are those rewards going to be hence why some people are looking to diversify out and look at other potential claims and lens protocol is one of the names on everyone that everyone's talking about right now so I'll drop it in the comment section below, but that is one I'd be looking to claim very easy by just buying the NFT, which right now is uh, trading around 0 0.08, 0 0.09 when I looked at the beginning of the show. Sorry, so what? what uh, how do we spell the name of that NFT? Um, so it's the Lens Protocol. I'm going to drop it in the L comments so people don't get the wrong one. But it's a Lens Protocol, uh, and that one is trading on OpenSea right now. I'll... I'll get it, but then you need to, you, that will give you the lens handle. Then you need to complete some uh, some quests, and then the claim opens, uh, I believe, tomorrow or the day after. And that collect protocol L E N S or L E N Z or what? Uh, am I L E N S L E N S. 
Okay, Lens Protocol, got it. Yeah, she'll post it though. So it'll be in writing, ladies and gentlemen. You'll be able to see it. Anyways, uh, today's sponsored spot uh, is by Pacemaker NFT. So there's today's sponsor. If you look at the first tweet that I have pinned to the top, we are giving away two Pacemaker NFTs for those that retweet and follow Pacemaker. You will be entered for a chance to win. So on stage, we have Chris, we have Till, and we have Julian from the Pacemaker team. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Really excited to have you. How's it going? Thanks. Great being here. Thanks. Pretty good. <laughs> awesome. Well, glad to hear it. <laughs> well, what 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 led to the name the name of pacemaker here? I'm 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 uh, like I'm my hands on my heart right now, just making sure that like everything's okay. It's like, uh, but uh, but I'm wondering what what uh, where the name came from. Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having us. Uh, so the name goes back to the year 2016 when we founded the brand. Uh, back then, it was all about the mindset. Um, it was uh, it was way more than than just a brand. So we just uh, tried to create that the brand for for creative minds, for creative people, a platform where people can meet. And the pacemaker, and especially the rabbit, obviously is someone who sets the pace for others. Uh, so um, that is uh, how we how we uh, came to the name. And then uh, why the rabbit? Because obviously the rabbit is super smart. And most importantly, super agile. And uh, I think that sums it up uh, for me quite well, how we came to the name also to the, to the logo back then in 2016. Love the uh, the origin of the name and the logo. So I was uh, telling the audience that you know you can kind of think about this collection as an art blocks of sorts, or this this uh, initiative as an art blocks of of sorts for street culture. I think it'd be great to give context uh, about Till your background in streetwear, in sneakers, in clothing, and then also about you as a company. A little bit of background about those two entities because that'll help frame up, uh, you know, the pacemaker NFT collection for the audience yo so so okay cool uh, so let me start then uh, so my name is till uh, I'm 43 years old um, started to work in the sneaker street fashion industry 22 years ago so I started to work for New Balance uh, with, with a brand uh, for more than eight years then I moved to the to, to Adidas the brand with the three stripes so the last 12 years I spent with a brand. And actually, the last uh, five six years, I have um, I have headed up the energy department, so hype marketing, um, including all the collaborations, all license business and storytelling. So our job was pretty much to hype up the brand, make it desirable, make it young, make it relevant. Um, and uh, uh, by by mentioning collabs, um, we have done uh, collaborations together with Sean Wotherspoon, Bad Bunny, Lego, Krusty Burger. Uh, Sotheby's, Arizona Ice Tea, House of IT High Peace. So pretty much everything you have seen in the last uh, years uh, came from my team, um, and yeah, I'm pretty pretty hyped to be here today because uh, now it's a, it's a new chapter in my life, a half new chapter, uh, and yeah, I'm pretty pretty hyped uh, to tell you more about um, Pacemaker. Absolutely, and and real quick, it should be uh, noted. You know, you've been written up in in uh, different. Uh, 
press uh, places like, you know, High Snobiety, which I know in streetwear and sneakers is a really big, uh, you know, entity. Um, I definitely want to hear about aboutyou.com as well. Like my understanding is, you know, about you's publicly traded. They ship world worldwide, like something like $3 billion a year in annual revenue, 45 million monthly active visitors globally, which is, I mean, a pretty crazy number. Uh, what should people know about like about you as a platform, as an entity? Um, yeah, well, um, about you um, is that we founded it uh, nine years ago, and um, it's a tech fashion platform globally, as you said. And um, what we did from the beginning on was um, we differentiated always um, with uh, with um, big brand and content marketing. So we built our own collections with Bella Hadid, Kendall Jenner. Um, Luca Zabat, uh, Katy Perry, etc. So that was always always the the USP from our shop. Um, uh, we did and are doing huge events like experiences, like uh, in Milan the About You Fashion Week, um, the About You Awards, TV shows, etc. So we we are very content driven, and of course, uh, two years ago um, we went deeply into Web three and the NFT. Um, uh, game and met till and had the perfect match. Awesome. And so when you guys think about, you know, the pacemaker NFT collection, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about it, but what, what should people be looking out for? What should people expect from this collection? Well, and how does it tie into these, the, like your deep experience here is the thing I'm wondering. So like you guys have been helping run these massive, there's a multi-billion dollar brand that you're describing here. How, how does NFTs fit into this? And did you guys bring that within the organization? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Pacemaker itself or the, the, the Pacemaker NFT is going to be a, a 5K membership club, basically, which brings together artists and collectors of fine digital street art. So after Mint, holders will have free access to all the future street art NFT drops that we're going to do. And each artwork NFT is then connected to a claimable physical grail that we produce and ship exclusively. So we amplify artists by giving them access to Till's vast network in the street culture scene and about use of our global infrastructure and ecosystem. And that's how, you know, these two companies, Pacemaker on the one hand and about you on the other hand, tie in and get their experience and, and give it to, um, to, to holders. So, these artists can then build and show their work in countless unique ways and, you know, reach a global audience with our help. I think what's super, super important to add because you asked, uh, well, we are a multi-billion dollar company with About You, etc. This is not like a marketing stunt from About You. We found a, a Web3 company with Till uh, and uh, doing Pacemaker and, um, and this is our step in this, in this space together. And um, uh, with an own company, so uh, this is not just like uh, some project what we're what we are throwing out, and, and that's it. Maybe also to add um, to uh, what Chris just said, I mean, obviously, um, I'm gonna open my network. I mean, I I I, I am an integral part of the sneaker street uh, scene since uh, more than two decades. 
So uh, I've worked with many, many people, but also artists, brands, um, and 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 uh, even 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 Disney and other powerhouses. However, um, obviously, this is something we want to bring in to make everything like super hype and super interesting, and super exciting for for all the uh, NFT holders. Uh, but what we also want to do, we also want to obviously um, uh, find people uh, within our community um, that we help, that we elevate. Um, to uh, actually with our with our infrastructure, so it's it's on the one hand obviously people that have a name already, and then on the other hand we also wanna wanna use a powerful network um, to help people from our community to realize their dreams and realize uh, special projects. And I think what's our ace, uh, so at least one ace in our sleeve, is uh, for sure. Uh, the ability to execute things. Um, this is what I'm standing stand. What what I stand for. This is uh, what what you stands for. And I think that's also what makes us very very unique. And and um, this is um, obviously something we want to bring to life. So first of all, um, bring in the network uh, with no names, but also help people who have an idea, who have the talent, um, but uh, probably not the the needed uh, reach and infrastructure. This is what we definitely want to do. Yeah, I think. Are, are you going to do the giveaway? And yeah, I, I can I've, run the I've giveaway right now. So, so the the thing I was wondering about. So, what and, was and the real, number? Real quick, oh, last chance to retweet the tweet that's pinned at the top, ladies and gentlemen, and to follow uh, pacemaker underscore nft on Twitter. I'm going to actually start the process of drawing the giveaway winner now. So make sure you retweet that that uh, first tweet that's pinned at the top and follow pacemaker underscore nft for a chance to win one of the two NFTs that were given away. I'm going to run it in just a second. So this is your last shot to do that. Uh, go ahead, Nick. So I want to get into the, the logistics of this NFT. So you guys have uh, clear, it's that you have partnerships within the streetwear industry, uh, fashion industry uh, overall, and uh, street culture. What uh, In terms of the drops that people are going to be getting, are those paid? Uh, I, I want to uh, reemphasize also how many, what was the number of NFTs and, and uh, what's sort of like the first drop that you guys have coming for people that, uh, that, that own this NFT? Yeah, it's if uh, we have 5k NFTs, we'll drop it right now. The NFT are uh, for the pace list. So right now the phase one is a Freeman phase two. Um, and they have different perks and uh, surprises. But in the end, we uh, will drop 5k um, membership NFTs. Um, and um, and um, then we're going to start uh, with, uh, with the um, artwork dropping because in, in this business, um, everything starts with an artwork, right? And there are the, the known streetwork artists we are connected with and, of course, the talents. Um, and these artworks are getting claimed for, uh, for the holder. So these might be editions, can also be one-on-ones. Um, and um, as soon as you, as you have the it's tradable, etc., it's like um, that's the, the, the artwork, uh, the um, art blocks composition. Um, and connected to these specific artworks, there's always connected one um, physical grail. And this physical grail can be, of course, kind of collection where you show off uh, your artwork, but can also be like a skateboard, a physical, like everything what you can think of, um, where we have all the suppliers, where we have the network. Because in the end, it's like there are so many nice projects like art projects as well as pfp projects but there's always the lack like 
into reality. I was like, in the last two years, I was always thinking of, oh my God, I have this, if it's an ape or Azuki or whatever, or even an artwork, and I want to I wanna show it. I maybe I, I want to pin it on my wall, or I want to have it on a sculpture, or I want to have it on a hoodie, or I want to have it on my sneaker or something, but I want to show the Web2 world out there that it's that this is my DNA, that that's my my religion, and this is where we where we get um, where we bridge these uh, these two worlds um, with a very yeah limited product uh, to each artwork. Well, it's really cool stuff, and I, I definitely encourage people to look up Till's background, check out some of the the places he's been written up in, like High Snobiety, um, you know, and and others. Uh, you know, really lengthy. He's being very humble on the show, but lengthy, multi decade experience, really impacting the sneaker business uh, with huge names like he's mentioned, New Balance, Adidas, and so on. So I've drawn uh, two winners that are in the crowd that I've invited to speak. Uh, Odin, I think, is how you pronounce this. It's uh, Moonbird with a skull on top, ODD33N with a diamond. Uh, so, Odin, I've invited you to come to the stage, come to the stage. And then Lugo Jadit, that's at WWMLD, I've invited you to the stage. Uh, come on stage, and we will uh, have you guys accept uh, you know, your two pacemaker NFTs that you've won. I also, uh, on the simulcast, have images of the uh, pacemaker NFTs right now. Definitely love the 3D artwork. All right, Odin, you're, you're on stage. Up, your audio is... Holy yeah, you're killing shit, me with you. <laughs> Congrats. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> nice. Man. I'm chilling at work. Sorry for the noise, man. Well, I love to hear it. Uh, you know, we'll, dro- we'll drop a little bit of wow! winning music here. That's cool. We got Lugo on <laughs> Yeah, we got Lugo. How do you feel, buddy? You won too. I feel like I need a pacemaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I rich now? Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna DM both of you guys, uh, winner winner, and just send over your information. We'll get it to our team. They'll get it to the pacemaker team. Congratulations on winning. Uh, so yeah, Till, Chris, you know Julian. Any closing thoughts? What should people need to like? What should people know? What's the call to action? Where should they go to learn more about pacemaker? What should they do right now? I think um, uh, yeah, they should definitely check out um, uh, check out our Twitter channel um, and our Discord channel with all the news where we are already in and uh, um, spreading um, all infos at first. Our teaser homepage, which is uh, pretty sick <laughs> right now, um, is live, but our um, rework is going live by the end of this week. So check it out with all informations, etc. It's a pretty. We know that it's a pretty complex uh, project, more complex than the other projects. But that's uh, that's who we are and um, and what we want to do in this space. So um, yeah, as as Till said, it's not it's not a brand. It's a mindset. And um, yeah, just uh, yeah, look at it, read in, and um, yeah. Love to hear it. Uh, so yeah, shout out again one more time, ladies and gentlemen. Pacemaker NFT. That's at pacemaker underscore nft on twitter we really appreciate you guys sponsoring the show had a great time here definitely look into till's background too if you're looking to learn more ladies and gentlemen and about you the organization and the, and really the magnitude shout out to the winners here lugo and odin uh that's it for our show ladies and gentlemen we run the show monday through friday 9 a.m to 10 15 a.m eastern time each and every day looks like we bled a little bit long today uh but you can check it out on apple and spotify podcast too if you miss it or on the Twitter recording. Uh, We will be back tomorrow.